Welcome to the SN Sport Extra Time Podcast, sponsored by Askew Brook. We make the web do more and powered by Grandon Graphics. Hello there and welcome to the latest episode of the SN Sport Extra Time Podcast with me, Daniel Gregory. Taking the reins back from, from young Charlie Hopper, who did a fantastic job last week with the former Borough man Dave Merris. This week we've teamed up with Sky Athletic to bring you a, the first of our series of Legends podcasts with uh, former Borough defender Jason Rocket. Uh, if you're tuning into this, I hope you've been onto the Borough website and bought your, your ticket and your Rocket Fuel. If you haven't already, you go to shop.skybathletic.com. And there's all, all kinds of things in there, including the popular drink, uh, Rocket Fuel, the virtual chips, and the virtual ticket. And there's also going to be a Golden Gamble. So hopefully we can uh, we can raise a few quid uh, on the podcast for the club. Obviously in these testing times. So hope you enjoy the podcast. And of course, as always, um, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Anchor. There's, there's, there's several places you can get the podcast. So please subscribe uh, and enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Thrilled to be joined by Mr. Jason Rocket on the Extra Time podcast today. Jason, how are we doing? Yeah, not bad, thanks. Uh, pleased to be on, to be fair. I've seen a lot of my erstwhile colleagues be on previously, and I thought I was never going to get a chance. Saving the best to last, mate, that's what it is. <laughs> Obviously, we've, um, we had you on the, uh, on the podcast um, with the 97-98, some of the players from that team, just before Christmas. How did you enjoy that? Yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, it was good. Good sort of memories, good catching up with the guys again and uh, sort of remembering some of the good times as well as probably as it culminated in the bad times. Yeah, and obviously some memories will have conjured up from some of the questions. We've been sent 24 questions for this podcast, which I think might be a record. (laughs) So we're going to be here a while, but it'll bring back some memories. I mean, obviously a lot of the questions are dominated around the old drink, rocket fuel. So I'm sure you'll be keen to, to push... To push listeners to the website, to the club website, because obviously the Scarab Athletic are, are selling virtual tickets for this today, and you can buy your rocket fuel on there. So I'm sure you'll be keen to to push people towards that site. Yeah, certainly. You know, it's going for a good cause as well. So, you know, I think uh, I know you can sort of uh, advocate that. And you've got the label in front of you, I believe. You sent me a picture before, didn't you? Yeah, I dug it out because I knew it would be one of the questions. Um, it comes to something when the drink named after me is more uh, popular than me. So. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to talk about the drink too much because I've got, I've got quite a lot of questions about the drink, so I've bunged them in at the start. So if you're happy, we'll just crack on with some questions and then we'll have a chat. Yeah, no problem at all. Top man. So the first question comes from a good friend of mine, Mr. James Wainwright. He's asked if you had any input into the development of Rocket Fuel. <laughs> I could lie and say, yeah, I was a real integral part of it. But no, the first time I found out, I was asked to do a photo shoot for the paper. Uh, so I had no input whatsoever to it, I'm afraid. Right. Um, no royalties then? No royalties, didn't get a penny of it. It all went to a good cause, uh, the football club, hopefully. So, no, joking aside, in those days, royalties, things like that, you didn't consider. I, I wouldn't mind being asked which flavour I had in the first place because I ended up getting cream soda. I think <laughs> Andy Ritchie got Coca-Cola yeah. and Iron's got Iron Brew. So I got the worst flavour out of a lot of them. I don't mind a bit. I'm partial to a bit of cream soda. I don't mind it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, that's fair enough then. Fair yeah. enough. 
I'd take that over the roller curler, I think, but, but they probably chucked into the Richie Curler. I can't imagine that was uh, there. I don't think it was the healthiest uh, no. drink in the world, I must admit. Was there any banter between the three of you, or did you get any banter from the teammates about having the drinks named after you, or...? I think there was a bit of uh, there was probably a bit of jealousy. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. sure Hicksy wouldn't have been happy they hadn't found one for him. But um, <laughs> no, generally it was all taken in good good spirit. Actually, it was a bit of fun. It was a bit of fun. As I said, out of uh, cream soda, I didn't really drink it. I didn't like the taste of it, so you, I'd have liked another flavour. You preempted my next question. Three pe- four people asked this question. So we had Simon Young, Jamie Barker, Darius Bradley, and. Uh, at Yorkshire James one on Twitter, did he ever try his drink, Rocket Fuel? Yeah, I tell you what, I took, I bought a crate actually and gave it out to my friends, probably as a Christmas present because I'm that tight. <laughs> um, and I gave it out, but there was one stage where we sort of opened one of the bottles and had a bit of a taste of it. But as I said, it was a bit nah. It's not my, it's not my type of drink. Not your cup of tea. Yeah. Uh, and Steve Smith asks a good question. To be fair. Um, as someone who, for me, has a legend status at the club, how pissed off is he that he's remembered for a drink? <laughs> I, do, I think I've answered that. Very yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, do you know what? It's funny, actually, because I think that's part of me, you know, part of my history with the club. Things like the drink and other things, you know, so I don't, I don't really mind so much, but I do find it quite ironic. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Something I, I think the club should bring back. It, it sold as well as something like, you know, one of the big brands. Yeah, and you could have taken it global. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have minded that. No, we like that, we like that. Uh, that's fine, that's all the drink stuff out of the way, unless there's anything else you want to add about that. No, no, Wonderful. as I said, I, I haven't, unfortunately I threw away the bottle in the end, I just kept the label. Yeah, it's memories though, isn't it? So you're bound to yeah. keep... Uh, I, w- I would like to track down them pictures of the photo shoot though, because that would be uh, an interesting yeah, I'll one. Yeah, th- I'll tell you what, I'm sure it'd have been evening, it'd have been evening news or something like that. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah, so we should have them somewhere in the, in the system, in the archive. But... Yeah, there should be something something around. Because I'm sure John Russell was very proud of himself. I don't even know who came up with the idea of it. Now, rocket fuel isn't clever, really, at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, as sort of, probably I was, a be- I, was, I, got, I was a better headline maker than I was a footballer, just because of my surname. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, well, you're not meant to agree with that. Well, I just did there, anyway, you know. No, no. I remember I was a season ticket holder, one of it, I think it was 97, 98, and I used to love uh, love watching you and Gary Bennett and Stuart Hicks kick lumps out of people. It was brilliant. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah. Next question is from Martin Dowie. Um, which centre forward had the sharpest elbows? Oh, there's a few actually back in the day. Um, Phil Stant liked to give it out. Uh, uh, I'll tell you, tell you one of... Uh, uh, Dean Windus, when he was at Hull in my early days. Yeah. He liked to... Gary Brabham was another one. Um, there's a few that like to put an elbow out, but if you mix it, you have to take it as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, I was never I was never worried about it, to be honest with you. You know, I always thought it was part and parcel of the game. Yeah. How do you think you get on now? In the modern um, game? I'd worry about having to have the keeper pass to me in the six-yard box. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, especially in the old days at the McCain Stadium when it was a bit bobbly and sandy. Yeah. I think uh, I might have struggled on that. Um, otherwise, you know, in my early days, and you know, I was fairly quick anyway. Mm. Um, you know, athletic. I still think that stands at you in good stead. They're technically better players now, and they like to play out from the bat. You just adapt. 
you wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to, and I adapted later on in my career anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, like Waddy was always having a go at me for getting booked or something, saying I was no use to him being suspended. So I think you, you grow up a little bit. From my early days where I got sent off and lose my head, you eventually sort of suss that certain things you can get away with, certain things you can't. Yeah. I think players adapt now. Coaching would be different as well, wouldn't it? I imagine the coaching would be very different now to what it was, was then and more technical-based. Yeah, it's funny, and we'll probably go on to managers that I had. And, you know, in the old days, a lot of them were, no disrespect, but cheerleaders in many ways. Yeah. Um, and it was only in my later years that you got more coaching, which developed you as a player. And I think that was, you know, as time's gone on, coaching's got better anyway in England, just generally. And, you know, it's more about the development of the player as well. Whereas actually in my early days, it was you turn up to games, you play games and you play another game, you play another game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Palazology on Twitter have asked... Asking what it was like playing next to Stuart Hicks and also marking ex-SAS, I think you just mentioned him, Phil Stant, and who was his tough, who was the toughest striker he played against and knew he'd been for a game? Oof, that's a few questions. Yeah, there. three, though, isn't we'll it? start off with Hicksy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Hicksy, good lad, Hicksy, off the pitch. Um, he, could, he could strike a ball. Trouble with Hicksy, he didn't have a lot of pace. And he knows that as well. And... He used to drop all the time, and I used to play a high line. I'd be playing, and suddenly I'd see him about 20 metres back from me. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'd be going to win the headers and things like that, and he'd be back, get the ball, look good, kick it upfield, wave to the crowd, and then squeeze up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I always used to wind up Hicksie about that, that I always did the hard work. But he was all right, Hicksie. He, he was a top, top lad, as I said. Uh, played alongside him for a few years, and... You know, he got stuck in. He was fairly brave, although one time, I've got to tell this story, we were playing Exeter, and big Noel Blake was playing for Exeter. You remember him? I think so, Ex-Portsmouth. yeah. It's a big centre-half, massive lad. Uh, look him up, Noel Blake. Yeah. And he, his head's massive as well. <laughs> and Ixie's on one of these corners. He's had a run-in with him and pushed him. And Noel Blake's not moved and just turned round and just growled at him. And Ixie, I've never seen him run so quick behind me. <laughs> I, was, I was just laughing because it wasn't anything I was going to do. No, brilliant. Uh, but no, Ixie, Ixie was a good lad to play alongside. As I said, it was only when he kept dropping, yeah. suddenly he disappeared on you. But he was a he was a good player as well. And and what I'd like to say about him was an integral part in those days because we weren't as good as when um, Waddy came. Uh, he kept the club. Go in many ways, you know. He went to all the events with the supporters, and I think he was quite popular with the supporters then. Yeah. Uh, then what was the next one? Uh, so Phil Stant, and then toughest strike he played against. I suppose you've already answered that. I tell you what, I, I'd heard about Phil Stant ages ago, and I think it was Rodwell who had been at Blackpool with him, Tony Rodwell, and he just said to me, "Look, hit him early as hard as possible, and if he starts talking to you, you know he doesn't fancy it." And so that's what I, exactly what I did. Right. And he started talking to me. Ah. So he spent all game chatting to me. So, so he tamed I him. Run, I never had a running with him, really. Tamed him. I know he, I know Barry threatened Darren Knowles once, but it's not hard to threaten Darren Knowles. He's about five foot two. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I think you've kind of touched on a few strikers, haven't you? You mentioned Brabham and Windass. Yeah, I 
as I say, you know, there's Big Willow. Uh, there's a number that, in those days, you used to have a big striker, you know, that used to put themselves about, and a little one that, you know, Morris and Norris were classics at Chesterfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, you used to have a number of them around that one would mix it up and another one was a bit quicker and skillful. It, it wasn't any sort of great tactics to it. It was like, you know, feed off the big man in many ways. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you might be able to answer this better than I. I have no idea what Steve Clegg's talking about here. Um, but oh. <laughs> do you ever remember she'll be coming round the mountain when she comes over the Tannoy? Oh, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. I don't know what they, Is it uh, some kind uh, of forfeit or something? Sorry? Is it some kind of forfeit at the ground? We, we, we're running round the ground naked or something? Or? No, and I can't remember that. I must have been. So Cleggy, you like me on that one. Cleggy's got his facts wrong. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to have a word with him. I'd, I'd be, I'd be intrigued what that was about. I must admit. <laughs> I'm sure he said something like he was a YTS, and then he turned around and there was a couple of players running around the pitch naked. With she'll be coming around the mountain when she comes on the tannoy or something. No, but, it wouldn't have been me that. Oh, Cleggy's got his. I, I wouldn't have run around the field naked. I tell you that now. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll move on to the next one. From Andy Kent has asked: Any good training ground brawls or battles with opposition during or after games that stick out? Oh, oof. there's a few. There's a few actually. I'll tell you. I think I mentioned it um, at our reunion one. One of the ones was Mansfield. Yeah. When we played Mansfield and Snodden was having a go at Schofield all game, and Snodds comes off the pitch, and I'm second in the, down the tunnel, and he's waiting. I've gone past him. I'm like, just remembered what he'd said to Schofield, and turned around to see him smack Schofield. All right. So I've gone flying in to split it up. I've got Schofield in a neck lock. And I'm holding um, Snods off. And then all of a sudden, their players are coming down, piling the tunnel. So they see they haven't seen the rest of it. They just see me having their player in a neck lock and, and Snods trying to punch him. So <laughs> they've all piled in. And then our lock came in. And, you know, we had quite a few boys then, obviously, with Gary Bennett flying in with his arms windmilling everywhere. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it was... Casey comes flying in, karate kicking everyone and that sort of thing. It was just, it was absolute pandemonium. Uh, and I think, you know, a policeman had his helmet knocked off trying to split it up. I won't tell who did that, but um, you? he was our captain. He was our captain. No, he's our captain. I, I was still, I was still at the bottom of the pile with holding snods off. It's a go film. <laughs> Getting pummeled at the back of my head. I was being sensible, but there you go. Um, so that was one of them. That was quite interesting. There's always... There's always been a few flare-ups on the on the training ground. It's usually handbags, though. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had a few on the training ground where I got peed off with people, um, and others have. And do you know what? As soon as they happen, they you soon shake your hands and get on with it. Yeah. You know that, and I think that's a you know sometimes a good sign that you want to do well and you want your players to do well, and you you won't accept you won't accept second you know, second best from anyone or people lazing around or anything like that. Yeah. Were, so, there, any, were so, there any notorious lads in the dressing room during your time at Scarborough that fell out with people regularly in training? Or was it just a, a group thing that every now and then it would just flare up? Not, not really. You know what? Even, even the lads who you'd think might do it, they didn't because there was always a respect. 
Yeah. You know, they, I, t- I t- tell you what, there was a guy, Maguire, we had on loan from Portsmouth, who, oh my God, I wouldn't have messed with him. Mad Dog, they called him. Oh, no, right. he, yeah. he, um, he flared up mainly in nightclubs, though. <laughs> <laughs> with the biggest bounces you could ever see. So you didn't really want to be around him because he'd take on out the world. Oh, dear. But we, had, we, had a, we had a few of those. We had a few of those that, when they were out and had a bit too much pop, they wanted to take on the world. There's a few of those uh, around, but but generally the scraps have got split up. Like I remember, I I'd, I'd one in my early days with one of the keepers, um, you know. But everyone was on top of you before anything could happen, anyway. So yeah, you say one of the keepers. You're going to name him more. Yeah, it was Mark Evans. <laughs> All right, okay. It was a long time ago. It was it was a daft thing, really. It was over a daft thing, and uh, you know, no, nothing really gone toward but you look back at it you go it's quite embarrassing really in the yeah. cold light of day but when you're training and you're fed up with each other or someone's not pulling their weight or on something then these things happen in the heat of the moment yeah definitely definitely i wouldn't condone it normally i must admit but yeah <laughs> yeah like you say heat at the moment and it, a lot of people even the premier league teams i imagine you will really hear about them falling out and having punch-ups uh this bounce happen at all levels isn't it yeah, yeah. As I said, it's usually uh, it's usually handbags. It's over. I know there's been some high-profile cases yeah, before, definitely. but you know, a lot of the times I remember having an argument on the pitch with Steve Charles. You know, because he got so fed up with me having a go at him all the time on the pitch, <laughs> and so he's pushed me. I just looked at him. I was more alarmed that he'd even bothered pushing me. But there you go. That's such his life. Yeah, definitely. I think you've already touched on this question from Stuart Welsh: uh, hardest, worst opponent. I think you've touched on a few, haven't you, already? Did. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it's funny because I sort of look back and say, hardest, worst opponent. As I say, there's a, there's a few of them that put their their arms and their elbows about, but I never I never came across anyone that I was like, oh, I'm a bit worried about them. Or, you know, there's the odd mad one that you knew you'd probably get a stray elbow occasionally. But, but generally, it was just, in those days, it's part and parcel of the game. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, Steve Mothersdale's asked uh, who your best defensive partner was at Borough, and where is Darren Knowles these days? Knowles, I don't, I don't know where Darren Knowles is now. He's, I think he's still got his tash. I've heard that. Although we tried to shave it off back in the day. <laughs> um, I, I'm not quite sure. He's still living in Sheffield. You know, right. he's still about. Uh, he played for quite a long time. Uh, my best uh, centre half partner. Oof. I've had a few, I suppose. Uh, I have to mention AD Bear as someone I played alongside because yeah. AD's a good mate and he'll be, he might be listening, so I'll better, <laughs> better mention him. I, however, part of my knee problem was carrying him all the time. Um, <laughs> Ixie was a decent partnership. I've had, had a few, you know, people like Colin Sutherland was an interesting partner, especially when he was heading the headbutt in the back of. Uh, What's his name? Joe Allen's head. Um, <laughs> he sounds so, like a lunatic. Sorry. He sounds like a lunatic. Colin, yeah, he was. He was nuts. <laughs> I can't <laughs> say any any more than that. Fair enough. He was. Uh, he, he was one of those who'd run through brick walls. I got on with him like a house on fire, and he was a great player alongside him because you just instructed him what to do. Yeah. And he used to. And he used to do it by the letter. Um, but he was. Uh, yeah, what you saw was what you got with Colin. I yeah. think he had his two front teeth that were removable. 
<laughs> took them out before a game and then he just went round kicking people. <laughs> a lot of people would automatically think you'd say Gary Bennett, but I'm, Gary Bennett no, moved into midfield I, a lot, didn't I he? I have finished yet. I've, I'm on. building up to Big Benno. Oh, go on, keep going. So, the one I'd always pick is Gary Bennett. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, so, I, I was keeping you, you know, in suspension there. I like it. But no, uh, uh, Benno, what a player. And i tell you what, I wish I'd come across Benno years before because he developed me as a centre-half as well. He spent a lot of time uh, after training with me, you know, working on quick feet, heading, you know, just generally talking to me about the art of defending and being a centre-half. Uh, you know, the amount of appearances that he had at Sunderland and the experience he had to, to bring that to the fore at Scarborough was unbelievable. I was watching um, in the lockdown, I made my lad endure the um, Scarborough-Rotherham game. A few of the clips of it that I had on video, just to show him I wasn't, you know, just a fat dad. <laughs> I could play football in my day. And... and one thing that came across there was how good Benno was. Mm. You know, what a defender. Solid, hard, you know, could look after himself as, uh, what's his name? Uh, is it Speed or Speedy found out when he got chucked over the barriers? Yeah, so I you know, recently, yeah. So, you know, Benno could look after himself. Always up for a laugh, though, but proper player, proper player. I have to say, I've played alongside Gary Bennett myself as well. He, he was coach. He was yeah. He was coach of our uni team at Sunderland, right? And they must have been absolutely desperate because he asked me to sign for his Sunday league team. And he, we were that short. Him and his son played, and uh, I think he got the ball nicked off him. He's trying to dribble around someone in penalty area. He got the ball nicked off him and they scored. But that was a bit of a fanboy situation for me because obviously I used to watch him a lot. So, but a great, a really good coach. I've got to say, he was really good with me. Um, yeah. No, he's, he's a decent. He was a decent coach as well, and uh, a very good football knowledge. Very good football knowledge. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Stuart Welsh's next question. He sent a few in. His next one is the best player you played with at Scarborough. Best player I played with at Scarborough. That's um, there's a few. To be fair, uh, Benno just named him. Andy Ritchie. You know, Andy Ritchie was a top player. His touch was unbelievable. If you saw him in training, like, I know he'd lost his pace by then, but if you saw his finishing in training, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Did he score a lot of goals for Scarborough? I can't remember. <laughs> not, not a great deal of goals, but, you know, if he had a chance, he'd generally, he'd generally score. His problem was that we could come on to forwards, you know, in a bit, but the trouble is it's a service. Yeah. You know, and he wasn't, he wasn't a player that made it in, wasn't able to make himself anymore like in his younger days he needed some sort of service and the first year he was here we weren't as good a side to be fair um, but no he, he was he was a good player Ian Snodding yeah Snodding's quality you know even though he was in his latter years there passing understanding the game you know liked a good time god I don't know how he got through <laughs> training that lad but <laughs> You know, he was a proper lad, um, really good player. I'd probably say best player played with. It's, di it's a difficult one. Another one, Sean Murray. Yeah, I hear a lot about him. And Muzza was quality, touch, everything. You know, had played. He was one of those uh, down in Portsmouth that was maybe the next best thing. Had been at Tottenham, went to Portsmouth, 
was going to be the next best thing. Steve Wicks bought him up, um, I think for about 50 grand. And he came up and he was, he was a proper player. He was an excellent player. So he'd probably be, be up there up there with those ones. I can't choose between them, though. You're going to have to pick one, I'm afraid. Can't have, can't have you sitting uh, on the fence. Oh, I can't sit on the fence. No, not a chance. Do you know what? No, I can't give Benno it again. <laughs> I, I can't give it him. He'll be laughing now. Um, Ian Snoddy. Yeah. Pedigree. He had a I good pedigree, didn't he, as well? He'd played at a very high level, hadn't he? And you could tell. Yeah, he, he had time, you know, it was just time on the ball and vision and everything like that. He played, he had some great stories about his Everton days. Yeah, I imagine. You know, yeah. Cup winners, cups, leagues, things like that. Playing under Howard Kendall. You know, you can see all the quality there. Yeah, definitely. We just touched on quality players there. Eh? Your next question is from Mr. Jamie Mitchell. <laughs> what's, he got, what's he got to do with quality? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, he said, can you ask him how many times I megged him in training every day? He never did because he wouldn't dare. <laughs> so that, so that's the short answer to that. I tell you what, with Jamie, he's funny actually. He wasn't, he wasn't the quickest lad in the world, but when he, when he first came, I have to say I thought he was very similar to Sean Murray. Yeah. In ability, I thought Jamie Mitchell of all players. I thought at Scarborough when he came, he's a young lad. He had a lot of ability, able to you know pick a pass, turn, score goals, you know, good touch, clever player, bright player, but he still couldn't make me. <laughs> because the next question came from Andy Wood, and it was, I think, it was a reply to Jamie's tweet. Says, can you ask him how many times he kicked Jamie after being megged? And and Jamie had actually replied saying, "I've still got the bruises to prove it." <laughs> <laughs> As I said, he wouldn't come near me. Oh, He'd come in the centre. When we were doing shadow play and things like that, he stayed out of the wings. Yeah. This is one thing we touched on on our reunion, and I'd, I'd spoken to Jamie a week earlier, Was and he just, it, Wadsworth just killed his, his, his confidence from, from what he'd said. and So there was a noticeable change in him from, his, from when he first came to, to when he left. Yeah, I've heard that. And I, I heard, obviously, in the reunion, how much of a downer he had on Waddy. Um, and it's interesting because you look back, and I, I suppose I look from my perspective of Wadsworth. When he first came in, probably the only players there from the previous campaign were me, Ironside, was the defence basically. Ironside, me, Hicksy, Nolsey, and Mark Lucas. Um, Wellesley might have been there, a few others, but then there's this influx of other players. And I tell you what, us old players got battered by Wadsworth right. from start to finish. They were like, I just looked around like Ben Worrell, he was like son of. So was Jamie at one stage, I'll tell you that now. So he's got a, he's got a short-term memory on that. And I honestly remember when Woody came in, I thought I was out the door. We all thought we did. Quite a few of us shared cars with each other because he ripped me apart. Every training session, what sort of pass is that? What's this? What's that? That's rubbish. You won't be on my side come the 11th of August. Wow. Uh, Dorsey, a lad, Tony Dawes, you probably won't remember, he was at Scarborough at the time, but he walked out. Experienced player, centre forward, who played a lot of league games for Scunthorpe, being at Sheffield United, etc. Um, destroyed him. And do you know what? At times I used to walk away from training and think, you know, I'd like to punch him too much. <laughs> but you can't really, it's quite a career move to punch your manager. 
So <laughs> I, I, I was like, honestly, it was a, it was continuous. I remember we played, uh, we either played how that was it. We we played Harrigan a preseason, and he told me on a corner to stand outside the box and run in lane. I stood outside the box. I've edited it in. And all he can shout is, that's my goal, that. That's my goal. I got oh, you, no. I always remember it to this day. Dreadful. And so, so he was he was a nightmare to us players. And if you look how many lasted with him in that first season, I think it was only me. Yeah. Um, but to say, to say that, his coaching was phenomenal. Jamie did admit that. He did say his coaching was very good. Yeah, and the, the the trouble was, you had to have the thick. You you had to really, really be able to to stand up to him and not be bullied by him. And I think the trouble with the the younger players, he wore them down like Jamie, obviously. Yeah. You know, and that that was a problem because I I had one time where I had a hamstring injury. And I was coming back from him, but I wasn't ready. And he was desperate to get me back in the side. And he came in. Um, John Murray, the physio, was with me at the time. I'm sitting down getting my treatment. And he's come in and he's, what's up with you? You're soft. Started calling me all the names under the sun. Eventually, I just blew. <laughs> and he's called me soft and sort of walked out. I jumped off of the physio's couch. John Murray's trying to hold me back. And I stormed in. Body must have sprang into his room. Because I'll come flying in after him. He's sitting behind his deck, desk as calm as you like. He goes, what's up, Jason? How long are you going to be back? You take it all right, blah, blah, blah. Change his tune totally. So he bottled it. <laughs> he probably did, but mm. do, do you know what? He made me a better player. Ten times better player. If you look back at uh, um, Scarborough the years before, the, yeah, it might have been a bit of a laugh, more of a laugh there, but... We didn't win enough games. We weren't good enough side. You know, we turned into a very good side in those two seasons. Wadsworth was there. And that was because of his coaching, because of the players he brought in, because of the level of professionalism that suddenly came into the side. And so, for me, you know, I eventually won him over. So, to me, it was like it wasn't constant battering or anything. Yeah, we'd have our run-ins with each other and it'd give me grief if I'd made a mistake in a game, but it wasn't constant at training anymore, which it started off being, so... So it sounds like you've got to be either mentally strong to take this on the chin, or you've got to stand up to him, and then he realises, right, and then, and then you but, kind of win him over in that way. Yeah, basically, he tried to push, like, if you read Matt Janssen's uh, autobiography, what he's in there, because he coached him at Carlisle, right. and, you know, probably it mirrors, you know, Jamie's views... Right on him in many ways, and that's a you know a top top player. Um, so I can understand where Jamie comes from. I could see it in Tate and a few others. You know how what he got to them because it's relentless. The season's relentless. When you get going, you know you're playing two games a week. You're training, and it it is constant, constant, constant. You've got to be on top of your game all the time. And I think you get to the end of the season if you're still going that you're being booted on the track or verbally booted on the training field it's hard work I think unless you really got a thick skin yeah and obviously and, don't want to go on about Wadsworth for too long and Mitchell but 
from from Mitchell's perspective as well, he's a creative player, isn't he? He's a, he's a flair player. He wants to do a step over or beat his man or try something. If he's petrified of failing, then he's not going to be. He's going to be a shell of a player, isn't he? Yeah, and I I would know that because I'm not a creative player. That's the problem. <laughs> so I I always say that with creative players, they've got to be confident because defenders. It's easy in a way. If you're having a bad game as a centre half, you just go and kick someone harder, or you tackle <laughs> someone harder, or you do something. You know, you fly through someone quick. You do something. You don't have to worry so much about your touch, so you can get over that. Whereas a creative player. It's all your touch. It's all the confidence that you know the ball's going to be where it should be. And if you're worried about someone screaming at you all the time, then I suspect, no, you don't perform as well. But as I said, with Wadsworth, um, you know, I, I had a lot of respect to him by, by the end of it. But I had to win him over. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But obviously, you, you're a strong character, aren't you? So obviously, he's kind of probably realised that quite yeah, quickly. Yeah, I, I, I had my days, though. I had my days... Uh, it wasn't pleasant because it was just constant. Yeah. It was mainly in pre-season. Once the game started and he saw what I was about, then he he was, you know, he changed the hell of a lot with me. Yeah. Um, Because we've got a lot of questions here, so I'm conscious of time. At Dog fan on Twitter has asked, how did he get back to the halfway line after that goal at Doncaster? Oh, the goal at Doncaster, uh, I think that virtually sent them down, actually. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd just done my knee again um, about 10 minutes before that goal. And I was struggling because I remember a Doncaster fan giving me abuse on the sideline. Right. And calling me all sorts, rocket, you rubbish. You couldn't, you couldn't stand on your left leg anyway, so it doesn't matter, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. He was giving me some right cream. And then I went up to score. I went up and scored. Um, so he probably made me jog back because I wanted to have a word with him about the goal. <laughs> I like that. Very good, very good. It's amazing what's happened to Doncaster because I remember watching them. I remember watching Scarborough beat them 4 0 and they had about 10 fans. And they were all singing, We're shit and we know we are. And look at them now. It's mad, isn't it? How things turn around. Yeah, it's funny. Doncaster's a bigger place than you think and it's got a bigger catchment area than you think. And it was funny because they were on. Well, we sent them down. They went down that year, that, that year we were in the playoffs. And you didn't think they'd come back because in the old stadium, you know, but the council's obviously built the new stadium for them and they got some, they got some big investment in there as well. So, yeah, it's amazing how they turned it themselves around. Yeah, definitely. Terry Herp has asked, what is memories of the two-legged playoff against Torquay are? Rodney uh, Jack, I imagine. Rodney Jack's back. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. As he, as he went past me um, he only went past me once I blame the other defenders really but no joking aside um, what do I remember do you know what I remember the build up I thought it was amazing just the whole build up to it um, the town and everyone it, everyone got behind us always remember that always remember wherever you went wanted, people wanted to talk about it you know I still got the um, sort of the brochure the big program that, that we did a special program and all those sort of things so it was great even walking out on that day when the ground was full remember all of that and then it started to change a little bit and I remember my goal I scored in both legs funnily enough I've never seen that those goals by the way I've never, right. never watched I've never watched it go back or anything like that um, yeah and that, it was probably 
the disappointment of the first leg that we'd let ourselves down because we played Torquay just at the end of the season we battered them and I was quite fairly confident we'd do Torquay keep Rodney Jack quiet they're two good forwards I think it was McFarlane or something like that and Rodney Jack keep them quiet and the rest of their team's pretty ordinary and we couldn't keep them quiet yeah and then the second leg second leg what I remember I knew it's probably going to be the last game anyway Uh, and I remember again scoring Um, I remember finishing up front (laughs) Waddy chucked me up front and I remember I spent most of my time after the game sort of going shaking the fans hands I always remember that everyone else had gone off and they were all getting a rollicking from Waddy but I was just outside because I knew it was my last game shaking the fans' hands and I eventually turned up after they'd finished the rollicking um, <laughs> to sit down and in a very quiet, quiet changing room. You know, that I think the last the last game was we didn't have Snods and we didn't have Benno. We just blew a gasket that season. It was a real shame, to be honest with you. Yeah. We had a right side. Oh, you, say, you knew it was your last game. I presume it was injuries that you knew had brought your career to an end. Yeah, I just I just knew my my knees kept swell, swelling up. I was taking painkillers just to get through games, and it come pretty quick actually because that season I started off the season, um, I would agreed a new contract, and then I remember Notts County game. Suddenly my knee went. It was like someone put a knife in the side of my knee, and it was never quite the same after that. Right. And so by the end of the season, I know. All the other lads called me about Friday, but the end, by the end of the season, I was I was just training on Friday and then playing games to get through it. <laughs> that was one of those things in the reunion, much. wasn't it? You would you, you had your swimming pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard all of that. They talk <laughs> rubbish. I've got selective memory. Those <laughs> yeah, it was funny from Neil Campbell. That to be fair, it was funny. Yeah, it's one of the funniest things he's ever said. Considering <laughs> there's a butt of everyone's jokes, he's obviously got funnier in his old age. <laughs> I'll have to get him on the podcast. He had some good stories, didn't he? To be fair, on that. Yeah, reunion. he does. I'll give him that. Yeah, that. good lad. To be fair. Um, David Turton has asked your best achievement at Borough, your favourite match, and your favourite goal. So three questions in one there. Right, I'll tell you probably my favourite goal, Carlisle, at home. Uh, last minute, 90th minute, uh, I've got it on video actually, funnily enough, and, uh, and Carlisle had brought quite a big crowd, it was a big, good day actually, and we would be, I think we were unbeaten by that time, and Carlisle were 1-0 up, and I've just got, Ironside's even come up for the corner as well. That's how desperate we were. We've got yeah. irons who can't jump, and, <laughs> and I scored. I scored the goal. You know, typical header. I'd like to say it was an overhead kick or a volley, but no one would believe me anyway. So, <laughs> no, it was a it was a header, and you know that was definitely my best goal. Uh, what was the other questions? Favorite match and best achievement at Borough. I'd say best achievement was getting to the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think. That was a great achievement for for ourselves, and if we could have gone one more step, it'd have been unbelievable. Because uh, the club, you know, punched above its weight all the time. I think, and to have got a side like that, where we we played teams off the park for the two seasons, for those two seasons, there was times that you know teams couldn't get near us, and we'd just blow up, probably because we didn't have the resources. You know, the Carlisles and Notts Counties, people like that, they're bigger squads. Uh, than ourselves so that was my 
Best achievement. Um, games, there's lots of them, to be honest with you, uh, that I look back. Uh, games that I scored in, you know, a certain size like Cardiff, I always had a good game against. Cambridge, I always seemed to have a good game against. Um, Carlisle, I seemed to have good games against. So, it was really sort of, I've not got one particular favourite match. You know, I remember Port Vale when we beat them 1-0 in the Cup. You know, that was a, a good game because Port Vale at the time they had a good side. Yeah, you know they're doing well, and we knocked them out of the cup. We had a few good cup games as well. You know, I remember we didn't win, but playing Leicester City, we went toe to toe with Leicester City over two legs. Remember that? You know, yeah, with Emil Heskey Park, and they had a good side then. You know, and we we didn't get embarrassed by them at all. Played well against them, in, in fact. So there's a few of those sort of games that I look back on and think, yeah, great, great games. Was the Leicester City game a night really game? I had to pick one game and someone told me, okay, what is your favourite game? And it would be Hereford, 1-0, away from home. And it was my debut. Right. There you go. And that was my debut in the Football League for Scarborough. And, you know, if I look back, I remember it so vividly to this day. And that big bull on the pitch as well that they had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Edgar Street. I think I've been there. Yeah, it's uh, an old sort of. It's got a big, big farm market, cattle market around it. It's a big, interesting stadium, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a strange stadium, but yeah. that's probably you know my most memorable game, just because it was my debut. That Leicester game was it a night? Was it a, a night game? Yeah, yeah, I think I was uh, there. It was a big, away, big crowd, legs. wasn't it? Big crowd, Sorry? a big crowd, wasn't it? I remember being there for yeah. that. Yeah, it was a big crowd. It was really good. You know, when we played those games, I, you know, usually get a good, really good turnout. Yeah, definitely. Right, we've got. I'm just going to count these questions up from Paul Curson. One, two, three, four. Paul Curson. Oh my word! I'm not tell Paul I'm not answering any of his questions. So we've got seven seven questions from Paul. Should we just skip past them? <laughs> Go on, then. Guess. Right. Okay. So the first one is the worst trainer. Oh, oof. there's a few of those in the early days. Do you remember, uh, I don't know whether everyone, anyone remembers a lad called Nigel Boardman. No. Um, probably the reason why is he didn't last long, but he used to come in drunk every Monday. Right. <laughs> and I mean drunk. <laughs> oh, uh, A.D. Mayer wasn't a good, good trainer. He won't thank me for that. He won't like that, will he? I'll t- tell you what, he put some right timber on every summer. <laughs> he used to go away. He'd come back. And we used to laugh. We used to wait till he got on the scales. And we used to be like having bets on how heavy Aidan would be, whether he'd be over 100 kg. And so, so it would be the bin bags on for Aidan, jogging around the mirror as slowly as possible. So Aidan won't thank me for that, but um, but it's true. There's a, there's a few of them. Uh, Mitchell? Few of them like that. Sorry? Mitchell? Jamie Mitchell. I'll tell you what, actually, there's a little crew of them. Once they started their drinking... There's certain days they're a waste of space. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how any of them can say about me not being at training. They might have been in person, but they certainly weren't in body and spirit. I'll tell you what. In Berlin's too often. There, there, was a, there was a little crew who used to drink. Um, probably I could blame them for us not getting through the playoffs, but that would be harsh. But yeah, Jamie, Jamie and his little crew, they used to like the pop occasionally. You'd know they'd been out on it. Because the next day, their eyes were all over the show. And they just, I think it was to, um, it's, it was like, uh, I think it was to block out the noise from Waddy or something like that. I love that he just described them as Jamie and his little crew. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. 
Um, who was the worst dresser? Stuart Hicks. <laughs> That's ironic, isn't it? <laughs> f- f- funny how it's so ironic how he's made such a success out of uh, out of clothes and designer stuff and all that sort of stuff. But Stuart Hicks, he loved he loves some gear. I tell you that now. Yeah. Paul also asked who your hardest opponent was, but we've already touched on that. Pre-match superstitions. I'd loads. I didn't like to talk to anyone. Uh, I was pretty miserable before a game. You know, I put my socks on. <laughs> I'd wait for as long as possible for the socks on. Why? You know, things like that. I just did. I just because what you happen is if you do one sort of ritual. If you do one sort of ritual, you end up and play well. You end up doing it all the time. I didn't like wearing anything but the number six shirt. Right. That's fair enough, I think. I hated wearing number five shirt. Um, but the main one was I really did. Pre-match ritual was I just focused. And I mean, I, I just really focus on the game. I've locked everyone out. I started getting my angry head on. Stuff like that. I didn't talk to people. Was very much focus, focus, focus. Did you put one boot on before the other or anything like no, that? No, I didn't do that. It was just, I always remember that my socks, you know, I was always walking around with my bare feet and my shin pads. Mm, fair enough. Don't know why. Were there any, any other weirder superstitions in the dressing room that anyone else did? Not really. People had their own sort of different th- things, but not really. You, you used to get the shouters. I hated them. Right. Screaming and shouting and blowing hot air and all this sort of stuff. I didn't want anyone to talk to me. Yeah. So, so all that sort of stuff. I hated people coming up and talking to me just before the game, talking tactics or anything like that. I didn't want to know any of that rubbish. What, even the manager? I that all week. Sorry? Even the manager? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't enjoy the manager coming up to talk to me. Right. Most managers wouldn't before the game. Yeah. They knew exactly what I was like. I just used to get focused on the game. I'll tell you what, I used to throw up quite a bit as well. Throw up? Yeah, I, I frequently throw up before games. Surprised to hear that. Was it what was that just because you got yourself so worked up? I don't know. It was you know, it was whatever, got head up, nerves, whatever, don't know. Right. You know, too much water in. You know, you come out suddenly and be like, Oh right, okay. <laughs> so no, I did that a few times. I remember I played Cambridge. Before the game, I was thrown up on the pitch. Wow, okay. And then I got mad at the match, so it must have done too bad. They do say, don't they, that nerves can bring out the best in people, that they can be a good thing. Yeah, I wasn't, I was never nervous in the build-up to the game, but just before, you know, when I was focused about things, you know, what to do things, and you, I think it's a good thing to get nervous about a game, I really do. Because if you go out there casual, you know, it's not just the same thing. Some players can do that. Some players can do that, but I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, we touched on that one pretty much. Super. What was the Sheffield Car School banter like? Oh, it was, <coughs> it was funny. Uh, I've, I've got a bit. What, but I had a few lads in the Car School. We had Darren Knowles. Uh, we had Ian Ironside. Like, Knowles, his car was immaculate. You know, I sure his OCD. He was like dusting it down every five minutes oh. you know if anything was so irons used to he used to go mad at irons irons used to get open a chocolate bar or something throw it on the floor the wrap on the floor Knowles <laughs> would go mad all the time at him so so irons used to just wind up Knowles here there was Lucas there was Steve Charles as well in the earlier days like Steve was the most sensible he's like your dad 
most sensible person until one day he decided there was a Derby's car school behind and we're having a race. He started bouncing golf balls out of the car <laughs> down the road. And we were just like, you can't do that. That's random, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell. Probably, probably not the safest act in the world. But no. but no, it was they were a good bunch of lads, actually, to be fair. A real good bunch of lads. And when they left, you know, it was me and Irons coming up and a few few other lads coming up so it sort of changed over but the original one that it was a right laugh and you know we'd stop over sort of once a week as well I was just about to ask you that and I, I thought this would be a good time to, to touch on how you ended up at Scarborough and, and I, so I presume from what you just said that you never moved to Scarborough you always stayed in Sheffield no it's, it's a funny one because of the way contracts worked but the first time I signed I got a one year contract and I owned a house in Sheffield, so I wasn't going to move for that. Then I got a two-year contract, and I thought about it then. But then it would be lock, stock and barrel, and I wasn't quite sure we could drive up. And what I ended up doing is getting agreements that they'd pay for my accommodation. So I'd stop up a couple of nights a week in the end. Yeah. And that ended up being just about right, right for me. Uh, if they give me, you know, a proper contract with proper money then I'd then I'd have stopped up. Yeah. But I was I had a house in Sheffield. There's a group of us travelling up. So it just seemed to me that as long as it didn't affect my football, I wasn't gonna move up. What we what all, go on, sorry. Sorry, go on. Carry on. Yeah, also also it allowed me uh, to be away from the town sometimes. Yeah, I was about to ask so that. <laughs> It's not the biggest of towns, and I didn't want to get into the... I couldn't have kept up with the Jamie Mitchell crew <laughs> of drinking, you see. So, Jamie's crew. You know, I was a bit of a two-cam dancer. Yeah. Um, I was about to ask you that. You, you kind of... Um, first impressions of the club and the town and the fans, and your, your lasting impressions that you've taken away with you, because obviously I know you've had a long affiliation with, and relationship with the fans as well, so... Yeah, the first... Um, the first is funny because I come from Rotherham, Rotherham United, and Rotherham were a very, very professional side club. You know, the reserves, we played the Pontins League One. I remember getting on, first getting on a coach and you, all you have to take, take is your wash bag and everything else was done for you. All your kit was washed for you, your boots were clean for you. So when I rocked up at Scarborough and Phil Chambers was the manager there, big Phil, um, Phil Chambers gave me my kit and I looked at it and I thought, hmm, Okay, my training kit, that's fine, yeah. And I've trained the first day, and in those days, we didn't have the two end stands either. You know, it was all open. It was a proper proper ground at the, start, at the time. And um, I remember we trained up on the mount. Oh, lovely. <laughs> and I was like, right, so I've come from this real professional outfit where we've got this proper training set up to training on this hill. <laughs> right okay that, that's fine I'll, t I'll take that I'll take that you know no no lunch laid on it we were training all day because it's pre-season no lunch or anything like that then I finished the day I just dumped my kit in the middle of the floor expecting someone to pick it up they said what are you doing you've got to take that home and wash it <laughs> and so I was like right okay I know I've arrived at a proper club now so but that that was it then and you know, the first few seasons, it was pretty unprofessional um, setup in, in many ways because they, they'd cut, like the uh, chairman then, um, Richardson, had obviously cut the budget. And, you know, he used to travel sometimes in a minibus to games. 
you know, or go direct. A lot of the time, we went, just went direct to the game. So you turn up in your cars, like the car school would turn up, and then right. someone else would turn up. And you'd do a trip in a day or things like that. So it was, in the early days, it was quite hardcore. But I suppose from day one, what I found was um, the supporters loved the club. You know, the supporters absolutely loved the club. And, you know, you could tell that when you ever went town, they wanted to talk to you about the club in those days you could go into the bar after after a game and you'd you'd have a chat with them chat with the supporters and they're always I've always found them top top supporters and friendly and everything I've always seemed to have got on with them because what you see is what you get from me and I suppose that's carried on through all my career there um, even when I, I nearly moved um, away there's always that tug of Scarborough uh, and staying there in the town really like the town as well and I suppose it culminated when I did leave you know the supporters uh, I'd obviously been player of the year the season before I had to finish but the supporters got me uh, going away Christmas crystal glass thing sort of trophy thing which I've still got from my loft somewhere actually um, you know and I still still sort of treasure that if you see what I mean yeah. uh, they'd actually taken the time out to, to get something engraved to give me a you know, a presentation like that. As I said, I've still got it. I haven't got room to, I'm not allowed to put it on the side, any of my trophies on the side. Not that I want that many, but... Uh, <laughs> so it is, it is something that I sort of savour as well, that they cared enough to actually do a proper presentation to me when I left. Yeah. You just touched on there as well, um, how he nearly left. Who, was, who did he nearly move to? And also, how did the move to Scarborough come about in the first place? The move to Scarborough... I did my knee at Rotherham uh, in the February. I remember it because it was uh, Valentine's Day. I did it. Uh, we were meant to play Bolton the next day. <clears throat> I did my knee and they removed all the cartilages and out for about three months. And so they released me at the end of it. But I was playing in the World Student Games um, that summer in America. And I knew Scarborough had been after me. And the manager of Rotherham said, there's been a few clubs after you during the season. You know, you'll get another club. And so I went away. I sort of contacted Phil Chambers uh, and he said look when you come back we want to see you up at Scarborough and a few other clubs like Lincoln and Berry after me as well and I'd heard good things about Scarborough um, from others that I knew knew around and I sort of decided that's probably the club for me you know and then I turned up met Phil Chambers had a chat with Phil Chambers and you know he sold the club to me uh, in many ways I could see it was probably the, the right club for me at the time that it wasn't, you know, too big, if you see what I mean. So I could see my way to the first team. Because that was my main thing then. It was to get first team football. Yeah. And so then I signed. I basically signed for them then. <clears throat> and you know he moved away, he said. Who, who, who'd come in Yeah, for? I, funny enough, the season I got, um, I got player of the year was Swansea were after me at the Christmas uh, no, before that, they'd come in for me. Um, Billy Air was assistant, our old manager Billy Air was assistant manager Jan Mulby. Right. And they had to put a 90 grand bid in for me. Because I remember Waddy, I still remember to this day, him coming up to me at the training ground and saying, You don't want to go there. You can get better than that. You can get better than that. Don't worry about it. And so they turned them down. But I knew anyway, because uh, Billy had contacted me um, separately to say that they'd been watching me. And then they're going to put a bid in for me. So I knew. So it was fortunate that um, Waddy had actually come up and told me about it because I'd have known they had. 
And then I knew uh, Waddy approached me. I knew Plymouth was sniffing around me and Neil Warnock. Right. And Waddy, Waddy asked me at the Christmas time, I remember that, said, has Neil been in contact with you? And I was like, no, because he hadn't been actually at the time. But obviously, he'd been speaking to. And during that season, what I didn't realise, Carlisle had been trying to sign me. They'd been trying to do a swap deal with Rod Thomas or someone like that. Right. They'd been looking at a swap deal. Um, and then the, the end of the season came. And I suppose... I was out of contract at the end of the season. They'd run my contract down. So I was a bit like, and they'd released a lot of the lads by at the end of the season, but they gave me an offer. And it probably well, started with my downfall of uh, Mr. Russell. <laughs> they offered me a £25 pay increase. And I knew what everyone else was on. I was just like, I ain't signing the contract. But it was the days um, before Bosman, the year before Bosman came in. And Carlisle came in for me. So I went up to Carlisle, agreed to deal with Carlisle. But good old Mr. Russell put a £250,000 price tag on my head and it would have had to go to tribunal. So it fell through eventually, long story short. But I eventually got a contract I wanted. Um, wasn't ridiculous or anything like that. But it actually showed they actually appreciated me being at the club. I mean, there's two things to mention there that stand out for me. One, we were quite frustrated that the club rejected the offer from Swansea without even speaking to you in the first place. Or was that just a different time then to what it is now? It was at the time, but I just felt... I felt it was quite good money. It was getting to quite good money for them, for me. So, you know... It, I suppose if they'd been in a higher division, I'd have pushed it more. But they were in the same division as us at the time. Yeah. And obviously, you just touched on there about uh, Mr Russell and the negotiations and, and that must have really annoyed you because you'd been at the club a few years by this point I imagine and obviously uh, you'd think they'd behave a little bit better than trying to to, to stop a big move for you and, and whatnot. Yeah I did I did. I wasn't looking for a move funnily enough because I'd really enjoyed the season I'd got player of the year and I'd loved I'd really had a good time in the end of that season and I'd got used to Waddy and his ways <laughs> and I think he appreciated me as well so there's a bit of a mutual respect there between the two of us so I was quite happy it was just I was looking forward to do you know what I'm going to get paid not greedily because you know that wasn't the way it was football in those days but I expected I knew what other people were on I expected to be on similar amounts to them and when the derisory pay increase came in I thought you're just taking the bit yeah Definitely. And so, you know, cliched as it is, it was a heavy heart that I basically said, look, I'm not going to sign it. You can put me on the list and I'm going. You know, if, you, if that's what you think of me after this season, then, you know. And, it, and I almost felt they were sort of trying to not pay me as much so they could get other players in or whatever. So, you know, they could keep the budget down. But I think if you've got a good player within your midst anyway, you pay them properly. Yeah. Because I think we said on the reunion that they, they rolled the dice a bit that year, didn't they, in your last season? Yeah, they they, de they definitely did. If you look at the players they had, Snods in, you know, Benno, you know, Robinson up front, he'd been at a few clubs. I think he'd been sold once for 900,000, Robbo, you know, Williams. There, there was some, it was a decent squad, you know, some decent players in there that would have been on good money. And, you know, the crowds, the crowds were better that season, obviously. <coughs> But, you know, I don't think the income, more income was coming in necessarily much more income. 
No. I can't imagine Bennett and Snodden weren't on good money that time. Oh, they'd have been on a decent decent role, you know, decent amount. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Get back to these questions anyway, because we've gone off on a... Sorry, yeah, I'll go that, that was me. That was me asking you all them questions. My apologies. We're getting there. Though. We're getting there. Paul, Paul's list of questions is nearly to an end. Um, best and worst borough managers you played for? Oof. Do you know what? That's that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. It's hard saying the worst because uh, I wouldn't like to. I tell you, one of the best, and people might be surprised, was Billy Air. Right. And Billy Air was. No nonsense, hard. He was an ex centre half, so he appreciated me. Um, you know, and you, I understood where he came from. He didn't do as well as he should have done. Probably didn't get the money and funds. Um, so he was one of the better ones I had. I'd probably, I'd probably put our best is Mick. Yeah. You know, Mick's the best manager I had, and fact is, we've all. Forget all the sort of the grief with him and the way he was at times. Coaching wise, he made me a different player. Yeah, and so and he brought a winning mentality into the club as well from previous seasons. So you know, I've got a. He suddenly made it professional. You know, we suddenly trained. We didn't train on the mount. We didn't train on the beach. You know, we trained. It was a proper club again. We stopped over places. We had pre-match meals. All those sort of things. The players that came in were proper players. You know, there wasn't any. He fought for proper. You know, we had we had lunch after training, things like that that you looked at. He put things in place. So as a manager, <coughs> I put up with the way he was with some of the players, and unfortunately, that was to the detriment in the end of some of the players. Is it was Mick. Uh, worst one, I'd probably. I'd probably go Steve Wicks. Right. He's quite divisive, uh, Steve Wicks, from what I hear. Yeah. He's... It's funny with Steve Wicks. Like One of the funny stories, there was three centre-halves at the time. Me, Daz Davis and A.D. Mayer. And whoever was playing at the time, it was usually me and one of the others, and A.D. won't thank me for that, but it's true. And it was me or one of the others, generally, but... You'd go in, who wasn't playing, would go in and knock on Steve Wicks' door. And he'd go, if it was Daz in there, go, Daz, you're my best centre-half. The other two are going to have to scrap for the place alongside you. So if AD went in there, he'd go, AD, you're my best centre-half. The other two are going to scrap alongside. So if I went in there, he'd say the same thing to me, Jason, you're the best <laughs> centre-half. So he used to be a bit like that, Steve Wicks. He used to sort of tell you what you wanted to hear. Sugarcoat sugar it to fob you off almost. Yeah, he used to he used to go in, you know, all guns blazing. And, you know, there were times I was going in to talk about contract and you came out and you're like thinking you're 10 foot tall and you're thinking, hold on, I haven't got anything I wanted from <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> Fair play and to him. Was it, was it, were, his, were his tactics not great then? Were it, was he just not? I think, look, I, I thought it was, I think it's harsh, but I couldn't pick some of the others. That's the trouble. So, you know, it's harsh on Steve. I liked him as a person. Um, I just thought, and he brought some good players and he brought people like Murray in and people like that. But he was a bit more of a cheerleader. Yeah. I didn't get coached by him. I didn't develop under him or anything like that. I just played. I, you know, certain players would turn like Swales who went for 50 grand to Reading. And other players would probably say, you know, and um, Sean Murray did well under him. 
would say brilliant manager, but I needed development at that time. And so he wasn't the right manager for me. So it's harsh on him in a way because I liked him as a bloke. Yeah. And I really did. You know, he was one of those. If you had a player's night out, he'd be on it and he'd be out later than the rest of us. <laughs> which isn't which isn't probably what a manager should be. I think you're still living the t- dream of a, a player, if you see what I mean. Yeah, definitely. And, definitely. And it was always going to be a clash between him and um, John Russell. But I like Steve, as I said, but he was probably the work as a manager. He didn't develop me as such. He sort of just carried on and enjoyed it, you know, sort of we progressed under him, if you see what I mean. But, you know, he, as I say, the others, like Phil Chambers, can't knock him. He brought me to the club. Ray McHale, a lot of time for Ray. He's a better assistant manager, though, than he was a manager. Yeah. Too soft. Imagine the same for Ian Kerr, because he took over for a little bit, didn't he? He was. A... I wasn't. I wasn't managed by Ian. Right. Was he after? Was he? Was he after? He you? was after. He would have been after me. Ian, a nice bloke. Yeah. You know, I couldn't imagine him as a manager. Yeah, he was a quiet. He was quite quiet, wasn't he? But he was. A, he was a lovely yeah. bloke. Really, really top bloke. Lovely bloke, and you know, Scarborough through and through, in the sense of the club. Um, but no, I couldn't have, couldn't have imagined him a manager. We had Mitch Cook for a little while, but we only had a, he had a bit of a poison chalice, to be fair. Um, so I can't I can't knock Mitch in that. So I'm afraid Steve Wicks, he's got it. I'm afraid. There, he's got the hot seat there. We like that. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed you said someone to be fair because you get a few that just skirt around it and then move on. But it's, you're only being honest, aren't you? At the end of the day, you've not you've not yeah. you've not slagged him off. You've just said he was wasn't as good as the others. At the end of the day, it's fair enough. And that's it. He didn't develop me as much as the others. That's, yeah. that's my main thing. Um, Ad Buck has called you an absolute borough legend, and then has asked what your best and worst moments in football were. Oof. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, must be uh, nice. Must be nice to hear. Uh, my best and worst moments. My worst is my, my injury. Full stop. Yeah. You know, having to having to finish football. I was only really, tw- I was 28. I was about to ask you, you must have been quite young, yeah. You know, I was young and having to walk out of Scarborough for the last time. I came back, I came back to the game the next season and I could never go back again after that because I found it so hard coming back and watching from the stands, you know, chatting to the supporters and not being part of it. So that, without a doubt, finishing football, worst moment in football. And best was making my debut. Yeah. So how old would you have been when you signed for the club and made your debut then? Um, I'd have been about 22, 23. Yeah, so young player. Yeah, I just got, you know, I'd done my Rotherham still. I'd probably be 23 actually. Um, <coughs> yeah, it, it was all sort of, you know, new to me really. I'd been at Rotherham for, I'd been at Rotherham for a season and a half. When I was at, at university, I signed for them. Uh, played part-time for Rotherham then did a season full-time. And then, I came to Scarborough and as I said I made my debut and I always remember that just you know playing the football league well yeah what about pre-Rotherham what's your, what was your footballing um, kind of um, younger years how, how did you make your way up to Rotherham I never I, I'll be honest with you I never thought um, obviously played as I was growing up I played uh, county football I played all the representative football I played regional um, and then I got to 16 and we had School of Excellences there and I wasn't you know I'd been at Southampton on trial Portsmouth on trial Brighton on trial and never quite made it 
like Southampton at the time, uh, my age group had Shearer was a year below me. Uh, they had uh, Rod Wallace. They had Letizia was a year above me. They had a great squad, so I was never going to get in there. So I thought, you know, I ended up playing Vox Local League at 17, men's football at 17, plus a bit of youth football as well. And then I, I was told uh, when I was in sixth form, you've got to start thinking about a career. I was like, I'll be a footballer, don't worry about it. And that's all I ever thought. But eventually, I decided I had to go to university, do a university degree. And it's probably at uni that changed a bit. I sort of grew up, grew grew a bit stronger, you know, trained quite hard, developed as a footballer. I had a guy called John Warnock there who was the university manager, who was Neil Warnock's brother. Right. So he developed a hell of a lot in coaching terms. I played all the... I played two world student games, one in Sheffield, one in uh, Buffalo in America. And I just developed as a player and I eventually got spotted by Rotherham in my final year. Um, and signed, signed for Rotherham part-time in my final year. I think my second game for Rotherham in the reserves was against Man United reserves. Right, OK. Uh, and I marked Mark, Mark Robbins. Nice. Uh, at the time, we drew nil-nil. And after that game, they signed me. So I must have done something right in that game. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Did you make many first-team appearances for Rotherham then? No, I didn't make any. I, right. I was on the periphery, I was in the squad. And then, as I said, I did my knee in the February. And, you know, that was it. We had a good team, though. We'd gone up, the season before we'd gone up, um, to the, what is now, Division 1, and for the second division. And we had a very, very good side, so it was, hard to, it was hard to break through. A lot of experienced players... Yeah. In fact, in fact, Chris Wilder, the uh, chef night manager, was there at the time as well. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to save that question because that'll segue nicely. Mark Appleby. Uh, he also asked who your toughest opponent was, but we could maybe change that slightly and just ask who the best player you played against was. Oh, there's a few <coughs> of those. Um, Rodney Jack. Well, yeah, Rodney Jack could come up on that that list. Um, when I was younger, it'd have been the likes of Shearer and people like that. When I was playing, um, not bad. When I was when I was at Rotherham, I played uh, a lot of the Man United youngsters. A lot of the reserve team football was better than the first team football at the time. I do remember Paul Scholes. Uh, we lost three two to Man U reserves, and Paul Scholes called the winner, and I got a big rollicking from the assistant manager for letting him go. <laughs> arrive late, diving header. I did point out he's quite good. Yeah, he went on to have quite a career, didn't he? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a bit happier now that he did that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so there's I nearly I nearly played. I always say to my lad about this because he's on the team. I got this team sheet for the reserves. Well, I nearly played Eric Cantona. Right. And he was on the team sheet, and all the lads are telling me, "Oh, don't worry about him." And I'm like, "Bloody brilliant!" Eric Cantona playing against me, you know. I said, "Don't worry, he's not that good." <laughs> Fortunately, so I was run out expecting to see him. Unfortunately, it was a nighty move to Man United. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know whether it's fortunate or not fortunate, but I'll tell you what, I played, a, um, going back to sort of Scarborough days, played when Emil Heskey was at Leicester. I was about to say, he was must have been days. a handful. You know, he was he was a decent player. He was so underrated, Heskey, I thought. Him, him and Owen up front were a yeah, great partnership. He, he was just big and strong, um, you know, and he's quicker in those days. In his younger days, he was a lot quicker than he, you know, slowed down a bit 
his older days, it was more than a hold-up man. But in his younger days, he was fairly, fairly quick. I'll tell you one player, and I don't know whether anyone will remember him. There's a player at Preston called Tony Ellis, and he was my enigma. I'll tell you what, he, he'd always score against me, and he was the nicest bloke on a pitch I'd ever come across. And I hated playing nice blokes. <laughs> because you couldn't kick, you felt bad about kicking it. He'd come to, on the pitch, he'd chat to you, how you doing, Jay, you're all right, blah, blah, blah. Two minutes later, he'd have scored. Yeah. And then he'd back being nice again. And he was just like, I've got... So, you know, he was, he was a good player, actually. He scored a lot of goals in the lower leagues. Uh, decent player. There's, there's a few, actually, that... Uh, um, you know, obviously played Niall Quinn. Um, he was an awkward player to mark. Brian Dean, when he was at Leeds pre-season, played against him. He was a good player, very good. So there's been a few about, really. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, the, the, there's been quite quite a few. That was a good list. That I think we'll let you sit on the fence with that one and say. Okay. Even though he said Shearer and. I'd always name drop and say someone like Paul Scholes, to be fair. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I like this I like question from I like this question from Mark. He's asked if he could have played for one manager that he hadn't already played for, who would it have been? So we'll let you have any manager of the since you've been playing or since you finished, or any current managers, or just any any manager you can think of that you think, oh, I'd, I'd love to play for him. Sam Allardyce. Big Sam. I think he's my type of manager, I've decided. I wasn't going to say Jose Mourinho, but I think Big Sam would be the manager for me. I reckon he's one of the, one of the lads, in here. I reckon he gets on with yeah. the players. And... I didn't know if he'd yeah, mentioned Warnock. He was a, sorry? I didn't know if he'd maybe mentioned Warnock there, having obviously you worked at... Neil, Chicago, yeah, so, yeah, Neil, to be fair, I didn't think about Neil. Neil I'd definitely play for, because I've heard about Neil, and I'd be ideal for him, because all he'd want me to do is edit, kick it, and pass it to someone who can play. Yeah, like Chris Morgan. Down to the, ground. <laughs> he's very, the reason he's successful, he's a very simplistic manager. Everyone I know that's played for him, loves playing for him. He's great, you know, with the team. You see him rollick people and things like that, but he'll have the teams back as well. So, yeah, Neil, Neil's another one. You know, in the same sort of mould, you know he'd have you back. You know he'd roll at you for the right reasons, but, you know, also, very successful manager as well. I'd love to I'd get him on the podcast. Him, yeah. I'd love to get Warnock on the podcast. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but... I'll tell you what, you might have to save up some money for that one. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got any, so that's, that's that ended then. I think we've got about as much money as John Russell. Uh, yeah, I, I, well, we can get on to him in a bit. <laughs> The last of the questions, actually, there's, there's, there was a random question that I hadn't written down uh, from Kylo Tool. He likes to ask random questions. Um, what's your favourite colour, Skittle? Red. Right, fair enough. I'm not a huge Skittles fan myself, if I'm being honest. I'm not either, that's yeah. what. <laughs> Purple ones are alright, but yeah. Um, Steve Adamson has asked. Having, this is quite a long one, but having played for Borough for so long and later became CEO of Sheffield United, you have experienced two very different levels of the game. How do you feel, how do you think football can justify so much money pouring into the Premier League, whilst at the same time small football league and non-league clubs are struggling to exist? I think that it's difficult because the Premier League is such a success. Um, but there's got to be an easy, a better way of actually trying to siphon some of the money for the Premier League through the leagues, whether through development or how you do it, I don't know. 
but it does seem to me that it's become so top heavy, especially through the COVID, you know, and lockdown and everything. You've seen, you know, Premier League carries on because of the TV money. Championship does to an extent, but I suspect there's some difficulties there. But below that, the hardship must be phenomenal. And it is a national sport. And I think we've got to just be careful that we don't lose, you know, if you trawl sort of um, the National League, North, South as well, how many league team, former league teams in my day are in that? You know, that have fallen out of times, whatever, are coming back up, or that have just fallen out of the league. And, you know, you've seen Berry go, um, and there'll be more clubs that go. So I suppose I, I sort of look at it and go, yeah, there is a Premier League there, but we've got to look at actually, you know, not forget in this country that there's a great pyramid. Mm. Definitely, definitely. And, know, one... and, and that's what we've been built built up on and you know on these great pyramids and you can't you know a football and you know you can't sort of turn your back on that at all no definitely definitely I just want to touch on a few things before I move on to your 1 to 11 that you've kindly yeah. kindly picked for us um, you, you mentioned John Russell there and he, and he was obviously mentioned in the reunion and, and it, it was something you're very very passionate about um, just touch on the moment you kind of thought something's not right here um, and kind of yeah maybe just on a, any stories from his time um, running the club well I, the, the first one I, I've all, I always used to be behind him on the pre uh, you know you had the pre-season team photo yeah so the pre-season team photo I always used to be behind him I used to look on his head and he used to paint it <laughs> and so it was always hot and so you see this black bead of sweat come down <laughs> where he's painted the top of his head because it's in the days before you could have uh, new hair and all this sort of stuff. I can't talk now because I've got no hair, but I wouldn't paint the top of my head like he did. <laughs> and the lads used to rip it out of him for it. So he had long hair at the back and then this uh, this sort of painted top of his head <laughs> as if you wouldn't know that he was going bald. So that was always one of my abiding memories of team photos with him. Um, I remember joining in when we when he first came. He thought he was a player, and he joined in one of our training sessions when he first came. I can't imagine so that. that. Bit, sorry, I can't imagine that. Well, I can't, unfortunately. But you know, it was a bit, <laughs> bit embarrassing. But there you go. Yeah, so he's a, he was a heart on the sleeve in the early days. You know, he was a breath of fresh air. He came in because we'd had. Uh, Jeffrey Richmond, I think his name was, who went to Bradford, then Leeds. And then the Bradford board came here and they didn't do that well. And I think John Russell picked it up at the song. You know, he was building the stands with uh, Sports England money or whatever it was. So, he'd, you know, it was obviously a breath of fresh air to the club. He was promising all sorts. And so we all thought, yeah, as players, you think brilliant. So you don't think anything anything of it I think Wixie Wixie probably came in under him so you're thinking God this is good we signed some players and you're thinking it's fantastic um, and that's all you think as a player but consistency and stuff like that off the pitch but it seems like I think one season I don't believe in rewarding teams for just missing relegation but we avoided relegation and he promised us avoid relegation I'm taking you to Spain a place I know I'll go and all this sort of stuff so we'd avoided it and you know waiting for, you know, passport stamped and everything like that, ready. 
and it never came along. And he goes, no, no, don't worry, we'll do a pre-season. We'll do a pre-season warm weather training. And we ended up getting back in pre-season and uh, Ray McCall was manager then. And he turned around and Ray turned around and he goes, oh, right, we've got pre-season. We were all thinking Spain, wherever. We ended up going to Camber Sands, Butlins down in Sussex. <laughs> the worst thing was we had to pay for our own petrol and we had to put 50p in the meter down there as well. Wow. So, wow. So you sort of started looking around going, hmm, probably, probably not got as much money this chairman as we thought he might do, sending his Camber Sands pre-season training. Uh, that was when I think the minibus turned up and we went everywhere on a minibus. But it was probably the next season when there was a couple of times our wages didn't go on in time. Right. And it was when we hadn't played at home enough, if you saw what I mean. So obviously cash flow wasn't there. So I do remember one time we had a bit of a team meeting, money hadn't gone in and we weren't going to play unless the money was in. And what he was trying to do was get past the weekend when all the home support was there to put the money in the account. Right. So on the Friday, the money wasn't in. And for players in those days, what you've got to appreciate is we weren't on a lot of money. You know, not to have our wages for that month, but our mortgages weren't paid. Yeah, and our exactly. car couldn't be paid for. You know, it wasn't as if we were rolling around in cash. Yeah. And so you used to get alarm bells there and different things used to go on. But we are obviously still sort of playing. It was probably in the latter days when, when I found probably my biggest downfall with him was over me leaving when I had to leave and he had to pay me compensation. They tried to wriggle out of it every which way and where. Yeah. And then I eventually signed and agreed to have monthly payments rather than a lump sum. I said, no, if it helps you on cash flow, I'll do monthly payments. I didn't push out from as much as I could have. And I got the first payment and then I had to chase everything all the time. So I got the PFA involved eventually because I just decided I wasn't bothering chasing it. So it was things like that that you sort of look at and you go, oh, it's not a way to run a club, it's not a way to treat your players. Do you believe it was his fault, the club going bust in the end? Yeah, because they had, I can't remember how much they went bust with, but it was a lot of money. And he was there, and he mismanaged it. I'm afraid. Yeah, not good. You no, know, he couldn't pay back the he couldn't pay back the money that they gambled with. Yeah, you know, it's all right. One thing gambling with your own money, but you know, I hate to say, I, I hate to sort of put the blame on anyone because, but yeah, I think he, you know, he didn't. He went to Exeter after that, didn't he? I think so, because obviously I, I vaguely remember Malcolm Reynolds and Scobby coming in to try and and Bro- was Brooks Marlson after Russell as well. Yeah, there was there was a few, weren't there? There was uh, another person who turned up as well. Um, God, I can't remember his name. I'm sure In between. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I, look, I squarely... Some of the things that went on at the time that I probably can't say because <laughs> they're, they're not, they might be libelous, but some of the things went on at the same time that you look at and go, yeah, he must have known. Yeah. I want to so just. I it's, wanna, a cash, it's a sorry, cash business as well. Yeah. With money coming in, money coming in the gates and things like that. As a, as I say, it's one of those things that who did the Scarborough supporters blame? I think the council more than anyone. But really? Yeah, I think I think so because he wasn't there at the end. I think 
And I think they realised that it wasn't, you know, Malcolm Reynolds' fault or Scobby's fault. No, it wasn't, definitely. No. So I think they the blame the, the council for not stepping in and saving the club. But I suppose to get to that point, I think people know there was something iffy with, with uh, John Russell and that something was awry. But I don't know if that. I mean, you might get some that blame him, but all I ever see from that is is the council getting the buried. But they should you know, the one thing was when the ground was there, it could have been saved. You know, I've got pictures of the ground because it spent so many years derelict, and no one did anything about it, and it could have been saved then. Definitely, yeah. And and that was a shame of it. I got a photo with my lad outside it. One, it's when I used to come back to Scarborough every summer, and. You know, it was just derelict, and it had been derelict for many a year. And he sort of looked at it and goes, it wasn't been on the wit of anyone to to get it back and up and running. Yeah. And is. to get Scarborough, you know, how long did Scarborough stay, stay at Bridlington? Very, uh, very sad, very sad to see that that stadium was, was such a great stadium. So I had so many good memories growing up watching the games oh, there. It's just so it's, sad to see. Do you know, I still watch a few videos back from the old days of games and things like that. And, you know, it's a great stadium. It's a proper old stadium. You know, terraces, a lot of history behind it, you know, from when they first went up to the league and the Wolves supporters fell through the, the roof. Yeah, exactly, yeah. To, you know, the playoffs that we're in. The Chelsea game as well. To it. And to have lost that history, yeah. you know, was sad and a scandal. But at the end of the day, I can't remember how much you're in debt, but they're in debt, so the banks were closed on them. Then, you know, it's another matter that, it's a sort of rescue cat, you know, who rescues it. Whether the council could have done anything about it, I don't know. I can't, I'm not well averse enough with it yeah. after that. All I know is that at times, and I know it got worse a year after I'd left, the lads have said it got worse with wages not being paid and things. Yeah, Campbell said, didn't he, on the, on the, on the Zoom yeah. call? Yeah, he said it, was, it got a lot. And Tony Elliott as well, they both said, didn't they, how it got a lot worse after you left? Yeah, but. and people, people were asking... You know, people... Like I didn't get my bonus for the... They wouldn't pay... And I bet, bet most of them didn't get our playoff bonuses. Right. For achieving. So they reneged on contracts with us and everything by the end. Not good. Not good. You know, which sort of leaves a bit of taste in your mouth, but you can't, you know... I sort of look back... I don't want that, that to sour my sort of looking back at Scarborough at all. And as I said in the early days... John Russell was a breath of fresh air and I think the supporters liked him as well because he'd stand up at do's and talk and, you know, it was great in the early days. It was just later on, maybe he did want to, maybe he just couldn't couldn't back up what he wanted to do, but... Yeah. That's been kind. I want to touch on um, just a couple more things before we move on to 1-11. to Um, Time is racing on here. Um, just, Just touch on... Obviously, you've already mentioned having to retire. It was it's quite emotional. Obviously, going out with with the playoff game and saying bye to the fans. Just just touch on the emotion of that and and what he did immediately after. So what 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 you can and obviously you ended up working at Sheffield United. Um, yeah. Just touch on just touch on the, the retiring and what he did afterwards. How hard it was to come to terms with it, and then how you ended up in the role you ended up with at Sheffield United, which is obviously quite high profile. You, you might have to have five podcasts for this one because <laughs> it's a long story. But now, um, I had always worked for uh, Scarborough Property Group, Kevin McCabe's company. Yeah. Uh, on my days off, and you know, a few hours—not a lot, but sort of kept my hand in. I was introduced to Kevin by a journalist called Ivan Ash. Yeah, I know Ivan. Yeah. Ivan, top 
top bloke. Yeah, uh, good man. Me and Aidy Mayer chucked him in the sea once, actually, <laughs> when he came down to training on the beach with us. But that's that's a by-the-by story. Why? Uh, uh, well, he was like, I'll tell you what, Ivan was just one of those guys. He was always around. Great radio commentary. Did a lot of co-commentary with him when I was Indian and things like that. He was always on our... And he's a bit of a laugh as well. And he used to come down and have a snoop around to get a story on a Friday or whatever for training. And me and Aidy just sort of be a laugh when we were training <laughs> on the beach. Training finished. Ivan's there, suited and booted. The tide's coming in because Ray McCall could never get the tide right. So we'd train. And the tide would be coming in and codes would be going everywhere. <laughs> and, and old Ivan's turned up. And we just thought it'd be funny to chuck him in the sea. So we did. <laughs> I bet he enjoyed that. Um, yeah, he did have a laugh about it. He's always giving me a dig about it. But, but look, carry on. Sorry, anyway. I, I digress again. Can't remember what we ending. Yeah, so I'd already, you know, I had a degree in property and I, I basically went to work for Scarborough Property Group um, after I finished in Leeds, the Leeds office. And I put everything into working all hours. Uh, I was offered, I was offered actually in Snodden tried to sign me for Doncaster when I finished because they were in conference and I could have played non-league football because it wasn't full-time so I could have taken my compensation but as I said to Ian I said look if I was able to play any football I'd still be at Scarborough now so I didn't take it up on that but it was nice of him to come and sort of offer me that and I basically put everything into my job ended up moving down London with Scarborough and then long story short I'd done London and Kevin wanted me to go and take on Chef United, uh, chief exec, to run the off-field businesses and drive the off-field revenues. And so that's basically, after a lot of consideration, because I wasn't keen to get back into football in administration terms, uh, because I know what it's like in many ways, I did so. So that was how I ended up back at, uh, back up north and at Chef United. How old were you when you took that job running Sheffield United? And... I was 35. So that's very young, isn't it, to be trusted to... With that role, it was it was very young and it's very hard because what you find out, no matter what you do off the pitch, no matter how much you make and invest in the team, you rely on the team's success. And we got to the Premier League, which was fantastic. Got relegated, unfortunately, after the first season, and everyone knows the Tevez situation. So mm. we had Tevez and everything, the Tevez case and everything like that. So all those things were going on, but we got relegated to the Championship. And then never, never managed, never managed to get back up. We were the playoffs um, two thousand and nine, which was my last season there, and we lost to Burnley. Yeah. Um, how long were you in that role then for? Uh, four years. Right. So I did that for four years, and then everyone wanted me to come back into the property side of the business again and then I decided you know decided it's time I was going to do some property stuff myself so that's how that culminated but yeah no it was a, it was a good four it was a good four years but it was a hard four years yeah if I'm honest with you you know I was quite young I learned a lot you know I do things differently now if I, as, as you always do when you've learned, learned stuff like that but it was a very high profile job great club fantastic club um, with a great fan base, and you know, we did grow the off-field revenue. We did, you know, put that into the club, in, invest that in the team. 
Yeah, definitely. Great bloke, Kevin McCabe, obviously. And I think a lot of Scarborough Athletic fans have been praying and hoping that he was gonna he would invest in in the club. But <laughs> I think they're uh, yeah, <laughs> pipe dreams maybe. I, I can't comment on things like that. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, he's a great bloke. That I've, I've bumped into no, him a few he's a times. Bloke, and... Kevin. He's a very good bloke, you know. Uh, I've got man. a long time for him. He's given me. You know, in my lifetime, with a lot of opportunities, including the day that I knocked on his door with Ivan Ash, uh, as an, who introduced, Ivan introduced me to him, um, and you know, he said, "Oh, come and work." It. I was, I was just looking at trying to keep my hand in somewhere, and within two minutes, I was walking around those offices, and he was finding me a desk to start working there. Brilliant! And I was like, "Wow!" And that's where I met Paul Curzon, the erstwhile Paul Curzon, actually. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was in 1993 that so Paul knows quite a lot about me yeah I can imagine I can imagine um, is there anything else you want to touch on before we go on to you on to, on to 11 is there any moments or any, anything you feel we haven't touched on or? I don't know I've, I think we've done we've got through quite a lot haven't we really yeah, yeah. an hour and a half into it so that's the full 90 yeah. minutes of this uh, Saturday afternoon taken up for some people but We'll move on to your on to your one to eleven then. So have you have you gone with a traditional four four two? I hope. No, no, no. no. Oh dear, no. you're getting fancy. Sorry, I'm getting fancy. Four three three. Right. I'm gonna go for the floor is yours, um, Mr. Rocket. So, so fire away. Right, goalkeeper. It's out of two out of two keepers. Uh, Tony Elliott, I thought was a decent keeper, very consistent. Um, you know, behind a very good back, back four. But he wasn't, I didn't play with him that long. I thought he was a really good keeper, but I have to go with my mate Ian Ironside on it. And Irons, I think he played more more games than me actually at Scarborough. Uh, but he's a legend of Scarborough and a great keeper as well. He is, and he's got, and got a drink as well, hasn't he? So. He's got a drink, not as good as mine. It didn't sell as much as mine because, <laughs> you know, that, he's a goalkeeper. But no, he's oh, top lad. Car, car school, everything like that. I remember we played against Leighton Orient away. <clears> during nil, we were either 0-0 nil, nil, or we won 1-0. And he was unbelievable. The only one I would say about Irons, he's on Mark Hancock's Bloomers right. against Fulham. Okay. And you'll see if you see that um, football in the 90s, it's he's kicked the ball a mile in the air, run around the box, and missed it, and they scored. Basically, long story short. But what I forget to say is, I gave him the back pass. It was a bit of a nightmare, but it's not shown on the video. <laughs> so you got away with it. I like that. So, so Iron Iron's definitely in goal. You know, really good keeper, confident. Uh, he just nudges out Tony Elliott because Tony wasn't with me as long. Uh, right back. I had considered Nolsey. Um, thought he was a decent player, actually. Underrated. You know, 100%er. Good up and down. But I have to go with one of the maddest players I've played with is John Kay. Yeah. Terrifying. And what a player. But off-field, his off-field antics, uh, you know, I've already told the story about the nightclub, uh, yeah. the last one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he probably won't appreciate. But Gary Bennett used to be his minder. He used to t- Gary Bennett used to go everywhere just to make sure, he was told, make sure he doesn't get in trouble. 
<laughs> and you see it every club you see in the corner of his eye your eye him being escorted out or something like that of some club <laughs> or rolling on the floor doing something stupid it was just mad and do you know what he just do stupid things all the time he was like a big kid as well but very very good player yeah he was you good know? wasn't he very intelligent player another one could see a pass didn't mind mixing it when he wanted to mix it either yeah I remember him being I remember thinking I wouldn't like to play against him he was no. uh, yeah he, he was decent you know uh, centre half he picked yourself well can I yeah I'm picking myself then <laughs> we get a right mix of reasons. people I'll go for the reasons why in a minute yeah uh, <laughs> See, Fair the, see, the person I'm going to eventually pick couldn't play with anyone else other than me, you see. So, <laughs> so I could, Colin Sutherland has got to have a mention as centre-half because I think he's the bravest centre-half or the maddest centre-half I played with. You know, he would run through a brick wall. I know people said I was a bit like that, but Colin, wow. You know, he he, he was a funny lad on and off the, on the, on and off the field. And I'm not sure, he wasn't quite a waddy signing. But, you know, Mick Wadsworth obviously uh, saw something in him, uh, potential in him. So he was 100%. Uh, Ixi, good captain for the club and a big, big person at the club. You know, I enjoyed playing alongside Ixi and um, on and off the field, top lad. Uh, AD Mayer is a good mate. And I've got to mention him, but AD, you just, my knees are knackered. I can't carry you in this side, so you can't make it. <laughs> So it's got to be Benno. Yeah. Uh, Benno's class. He started off in midfield. He was all right in midfield, but um, he was all arms and legs a bit in there. But at the back, he was awesome, honestly. To play alongside him, centre-halves, is, and you've seen it, they're all about partnerships. Yeah. And to play alongside him, I knew if it was over the back of me, he'd be there. He knew if I'd attacked it, he'd drop. You just, very, you know... It was a very similar sort of playing style in many ways. He was uncompromising. You knew he'd have his back all the time. In fact, Waddy had a go at me once when we played Hull and said I'd got him booked for starting a fight on the pitch, but <laughs> it was up to him to come piling in. I didn't ask him to come and help me. <laughs> but, but no, good lad as well. Very funny, very funny lad. Um, left back. You're sorry, you, 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 just, sorry? you just brushed over yourself there. You, oh, told, sorry, you said I'm, you were going to say the reasons why you picked yourself. Yeah, because... <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I'm, I'm better than the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's uh, fine. I'll tell you why. Because longevity. I've been at Scarborough for a long time, you know. I've proved, I've proved my point. I've proved my place there, really. Um, and you're also the manager managers. and you can do what you want. To, so. Yeah, every, every time each manager came in, I had to prove myself again. And I did it time and time again. Even with Mix Wadsworth... Um, by the end of it, you know, I think certainly he appreciated me as a player. Yeah. And so that that's probably the reason I'd, I'd put myself in just mm, the amount enough. of time I've been there and under different managers. Uh, left back, there's a lot of Stephen Swales. I don't know whether you remember him. I think I do. I think I played against Saki. him. Yeah, Saki, that's it. Yeah, he's from Whitby, isn't he? Yeah, Whitby lad. Played um, against him a few times. Yeah, he's an interesting lad, yeah. Yeah, he's a... <laughs> he's another one who's a bit mad as well I could tell you a few stories about him but they probably <laughs> probably shouldn't be printed 
he was a young lad actually, and he was a decent player. He went to Reading for fifty thousand pounds. You know, yeah. probably didn't fulfil his potential, but you know, could have been a very good player. Um, but I'd probably have to go at left back for Hecky Bottom. Yeah, very good. You know, quality player when he came in. Quite a quiet lad, considering he'd been a manager. Um, you know, but just technically very good, good player, top lad. You know. Definitely hacking bottom. So that's the defence. Uh, midfield. There's a there's a few that haven't made made it that are worth a mention. A lad called Mark Calvert, who was here when I first came. Yeah. In centre midfield, Mark. Good player actually, Mark. Underrated. Uh, good pass of the ball. Good engine on him as well. Uh, then Steve Charles, the bionic man. <laughs> Now, Steve, he had more degrees than anything else. I think he was doing a Masters when he when I arrived. He was 35. Pre-season, he was the fittest person ever. He just blew everyone away at 35. I think, you know, there's probably... He gave, I gave him 10 or 11 years and he he blew everyone away. Right. Honestly, what, what a professional. You know, just an ultimate professional. Looked after his body, high level drunk, ate the right things, bleep test. We had to switch it off eventually because we got bored. <laughs> you know, Steve, yeah, top. And then there's another lad, Dave Diora. Oh, I remember him, yeah. Yeah. Dave, skillful midfielder, you know, useful player. Um, you know, done all right for himself in the, in the lower leagues, but useful player but the players I'm going to go for Ian Snodden yeah. is a must and it goes without saying pedigree quality player top player Ian and a great lad with it as well and you know what he could mix it as well if he wanted to he wasn't just a cultural player you know he could he could mix it he wasn't frightened of anyone Snods yeah. but top top quality great to play with him great to train with him um, then Sean Murray Another top top player on the ball. Wow, could dribble past players. Could you know? Could see a pass. You could see. You know, he came from the old Lillyshaw school and played for England schools. Was at Tottenham. Yeah, you could see the pedigree in him. Yeah. You know, he he was a really really good player and a nice lad with it as well. No, no airs and graces. You know, again, for a small lad, he didn't mind uh, sticking up for himself, as I saw occasionally on nights out. But... <laughs> and then, I suppose I'll come to Makahattan, Michael. Uh, just a solid lad, midfielder. Yeah, he was He was you a know, good player. He was a good player. You know, he, he epitomised, you know, he did a lot of the hard work in that season. You know, midfield, grafted, tough, tough lad as well. You know, like to tackle, you know, yeah, good quality as well on the ball. Yeah, he was a, he was a, a unit as well, wasn't he? He was quite a strong, strong yeah, lad. He, hey, uh, do you know what? He wouldn't have messed with Yeah, Yaku. He, he, was, uh, he was handy. He was, he was a happy lad, but he wouldn't take a step backwards, I'll tell you that now. He was one of the ones in the Mansfield Tunnel that came in quickly. Don't you worry about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm guessing your front three is going to be uh, Tate, Mitchell and Campbell. I'll tell you what. 
Not a chance because <laughs> of who, who my manager is going to be. Yeah, fair one. So, so, so I don't want them to crumble. <laughs> I, might have to, I might have to have them coming off the bench. I'm afraid. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Go on, then you front three. Right, Andy Ritchie's a shoe in. Yeah, definitely. You know, Ritchie, top player, top quality. I'd have hated to see him when he was uh, when he was younger. I'd have hated to have marked him when he was younger as well. Yeah. But top quality, top professional. You know, he he shifts out Daz Foreman. I'll mention Daz because Daz before my time had come, just a season before, had scored forty odd goals or whatever. You know, and he was coming back from a broken leg. And I think he goes back to the epitome of a player that requires um, requires good service. Yeah. You know, I know people said, oh, he come back from his leg, he wasn't as good. He was. It's just the team he was playing, it wasn't as good. and The service wasn't as good. You can't boot it up in the air. You know, he's got a proper service. And I think that had proved before when he's had the Tommy Moonies of the world playing alongside him. But, yeah, you know, I think I think Daz, good lad, but good footballer. And he was unfortunate, you know, when he came back, probably we weren't as good a side as... Before he broke his leg, if you see what I mean. Definitely, yeah. You know, so he's unlucky on that one. Um, Williams, Gripper. Uh, yeah, Gripper is just good player, got a good pedigree, been at Villa. He's been, you know, he can't, I think he held from down south. He, um, he was spotted, then ended up at Villa, came to us. Scored a lot of goals in the early days, to be fair to him. Again, good quality player. Good quality player. Yeah. And then, the other player I'm going to go for is Steve Brody. Yeah, very good. Very good player, Brody. Now, now Brody should have scored more goals. Like, as I said, that Rotherham video I was watching the other day, Mr. Sitter would have won. But <laughs> he wasn't good. He was busy. Do you know what? In training, I hated marking him because he was busy. He yeah. annoyed me. You know, I just thought I'll kick him and he'll go away but he's just busy he just carried on he was clever as well and do you know what yeah a really a really good player so that's my that's my team unfortunately Jamie Mitchell you haven't got in because <laughs> as I said the manager I'm going to choose in a minute you might as well pick your manager then I'm going to pick because I've got a strong team I'm going to pick Mick Wadsworth yeah uh just, just because I think you know, with that team there, yeah, it'd have made, it'd have uh, set us up right to play, and it would have been would have been a difficult side to beat, and certainly uh, beat quite a few sides there. So that would have been a decent side. There's there's a few that have missed out there that, as I say, that last season team, a lot of players in there that are very good. And John Russell as chairman as well. So you've picked him. In, uh... Uh, I think. We'll miss that one out, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough, that's fair enough. I've really, really enjoyed that, Jason. I really appreciate your time there. Just a steady hour and 45 minutes for, for fans to enjoy. About that. You know, I could have gone on as well. But... I thought it was brilliant and, and great to look back Good. three times. Have you enjoyed recanting re- some of your memories there, recanting some of your memories? Oh, yeah, I've absolutely loved it. Really appreciate it. Um, hope the supporters appreciate this as well, you know, because certainly I had a great time back in those days and I do look back. Uh, with fond memories of every year that I've, every season that I've been there. One final plug for myself for fans who have, have listened to this for nearly two hours and haven't yet 
been and bought the rocket fuel or the ticket. One final plug for them, please, I think. Just go and buy it. Go and buy it. You know, rocket fuel uh, and the ticket as well. No, certainly go and buy it because it's good cause. Brilliant stuff. Really do appreciate your time, man. to put up with me for an hour 45 <laughs> as well. <laughs> Brilliant. Appreciate your time, mate, Jason. Thanks okay, again and cheers. catch up Thanks soon. A lot for that. Cheers now. Really appreciate Thank you. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to the latest episode of the SN Sport Extra Time podcast, sponsored by Askew Brook. For the latest local sports news, visit www.thescarboroughnews.co.uk slash sport. And don't forget to buy your copy of the Scarborough News every Thursday, featuring all the latest sports news, roundup and reaction. 